Hello, and again, welcome to BitDepth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Not across from me, but across from me through the power of the internet. Who are you? Uh, Ted Tamayo. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is my first through the internet uh, podcast. Hopefully it is of decent enough quality, but, uh, you know, this is the way we, we got to do it sometimes. <laughs> um, so who are you? What do you do? Well, you know, um, and to my, I like to think of myself as you know, a guitar player, but really, I guess I'm just, I'm just a student of the instrument and, uh, you know, someone who likes to make music, maybe one day we'll make a career at it. Uh, other than that, I guess I've, had a couple of titles, soldier, student, a lot of different things. Really, uh, pre-seminarian, at one point I was considering going to a seminary. Whoa. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, a lot of people don't. <laughs> uh, so which of these things do you consider to be your main thing? I guess really guitar. I mean... My approach to the instrument is a little bit monastic, in a way, um, kind of like life's pursuit sort of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I decided if, if I'm gonna do one thing, I want it to be guitar, and to reach uh, the best levels that I can personally, you know, and not let really anything stop me from that, yeah. including uh, a family's sanity. At times, you know, when I'm playing the same way for nine million time and they give me on the whole time, you know. Yep. <laughs> it's so, like I mean, a, I guess. It's like meditation guess, in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's cathartic in a lot of ways. Um, I think, like, especially when you get into, like, more rhythmic stuff, um, right hand picking, locking them with a metronome. I feel like that's really, you know, one of the more kind of euphoric moments. Mm-hmm. For me personally, you know, <laughs> um, because it goes beyond self-expression. It becomes a part of you. And even if you're not as good at it as other people, yeah, you know, yeah. it's still, it's still an extension of yourself. And I think that's like the goal ultimately, you know, Yeah. And by that, I mean, monastic, it's like, you know, like watch Kung Fu movies, <laughs> um, watch the, the secret of the fist and stuff like that. You know, right. Right? I think it's the same thing. <laughs> um, so when did you start playing guitar? I've been playing guitar, you know, since I was like 15. I knew I knew some open chords, you know, campfire stuff. Nothing really, you know, like uh, like what would come later. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, so I guess you could say 16 years. But if I wanted to be serious, I took it up um, really, really seriously in Iraq in about 2008. So about 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. 10 years seriously. 16, <laughs> you know, casually. Eight casually, eight, 10 seriously. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, that math is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> We're musicians, not mathematicians. Uh, yeah. So what made you really start playing? Um, and then also uh, you might want to explain the fact that, hey, why were you in Iraq? <laughs> oh, well, I was in Iraq, uh, 19 kilo as a tank gunner, 
Well, I wasn't a gunner when I was in Iraq. I was, you know, just a private. Um, but, you know, high school, um, gifted and talented, you know, sophomore slump, did really great through elementary school, really great through middle school, and then crapped out in high school. <laughs> couldn't really, uh, couldn't really get into, into the college. Couldn't, you know, yeah. couldn't, couldn't do a lot of things. So it just seemed like, you know, good good thing to do mm-hmm. um, are you particularly patriotic you know i guess when i was younger you know uh it kind of gets programmed into you a bit hmm. um you know i come from a military family too oh, okay uh, i guess i guess it depends on what your your definition of patriotism is <laughs> you know i saw I saw one, you know, like patriotism, one, one definition on the internet, patriotism is, you know, making a country that you you can be proud of, you know, and like right. some people consider being proud of your country no matter what, you know, which I think is bullshit. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a, that's a really terrible way to look at things. You know, I mean, it's yeah, a lot of, a lot of terrible things happen. All, all countries, all mm-hmm. governments have done terrible things. Sure. You know, every, every single one of them. You know, so I mean, it's not it's not wholly unfair to or wholly fair to just be like, oh, you know, America is the shittiest country, blah blah. You know, mm-hmm. the Dutch were fucking over black people. You know, the Germans <laughs> are fucking over black people. Right. Yeah, everybody, everybody was being hell of shit to everybody. That doesn't mean you get to just give them a free pass for it either. Right. You know, so I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, America is the shittiest country. You know, but like there are things that need to be acknowledged. You yeah. know. So I yeah. guess that's really where I stand. You know, like. <laughs> in terms of like you know the people and stuff like that yeah you know i think that america has done something great with like its diversity and you know its, it's general tolerance towards people of a lot of different creeds and stuff like that right you know but you know blind obedience blind love i'm not i'm not really about that right well i'm happy to hear that <laughs> um Especially lately. We might get into that later. But uh, <laughs> um, so you're deployed, you're picking up the guitar. What, what made you really start taking it seriously? Uh, it was a record by Necrophagus. Uh, it's called Epitaph. came out in about 2004, so four years after I was in the Army. Because, mm-hmm. uh, well, four, four years before I was in the Army, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never heard it. I'd never really gotten you know, past like Metallica was like the heaviest stuff that I was listening to at the time. I'm a system of a down mm-hmm. stuff like that was like what I was into in high school. Right. Um, Ride the lightning was my favorite album. So, I mean, it's not like I wasn't aware of, of metal. Right. You know, but when, when epitaph came on and the first song stab wound, which is a song I'm still trying to learn to this day. You know? <laughs> um, it just blew my mind. It was like, I was like, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. And I mean, I was 20 years old, you yeah. know, so late, late bloomer. But at this point, like, I don't, I don't really care. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm at my journey, you know, yeah, yeah. but, uh, but I heard that and I was like, that, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And so I got this crappy acoustic car. From, uh, it's a bazaar we call the Hodge Mart, which kind of raises in retrospect, but <laughs> but it was the bazaar that uh, that they had. So I bought the guitar. And it was like a hundred bucks, 
action sky high. I didn't know how to do anything with guitar at all because <laughs> I'd only just played the ones my dad had laying around. Mm. And uh, uh, just got got started. Just started <laughs> trying to teach myself how to play. Uh, got tabs, tried to play easier stuff. Mm-hmm. And I uh, didn't look back. Just kept going, kept going, going, and going. Uh, what was what was one of the first things that you tried playing on on that hundred dollar sky high action guitar? There's <laughs> <laughs> a Chiodo's song. Do you guys remember him? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Chiodo. I don't remember the name of the song. Uh, it was on the album with. I haven't listened to Chiodos in like seven years. <laughs> Probably about almost as long as I, since I tried to learn the song. <laughs> uh, it was off of All's Well That Ends Well. Hmm. I'm pulling it up now. It was the one with the, the dude in the boat. And something all epic. <laughs> it was uh, One Day Women Will All Become Monsters. That That is a really concerning title. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a sign of the times. It may have been "Baby, You Wouldn't Last a Minute on the Creek." I can't remember. It was one of these, <laughs> one of these two terrifying, uh, vaguely rapey songs. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So I mean, do you consider uh having a, a guitar, especially uh, was it an acoustic guitar? Yeah, it was a shitty acoustic guitar. It was an Epiphone, black <laughs> with like. Uh, cream colored pinstriping. I gave it to the rec center when I left Iraq. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, playing like metal shreddy stuff on an acoustic guitar. What I mean, it's people sort of like kung fu. Oh no, speak it wasn't. It how... wasn't any. It wasn't any accomplishing any of that. Was, <laughs> it was. It was just garbage. Right. <laughs> it was total right. trash. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't understand anything. Um, you know, I probably. Didn't even really understand how to practice guitar until maybe three years ago. Oh, like <laughs> it was well after college, well right. after music school that I that I really discovered the proper way to practice. You know. <laughs> um. All right. So, like, after you know, messing around some on on your crappy acoustic guitar, uh, where where did you go from there? So I got back from Iraq. Um, made a ton of money in Iraq. Hmm. So you don't have any bills, <laughs> right? Well, I was single, you know. I didn't have any bills. And just a lot of money. I bought a really expensive Ibanez. It was okay. an S series, five forty. Yeah, it was like a seventeen hundred dollar guitar. You still have it? Oh, it was, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet guitar. Um, I ended up trading it six months after getting back for free lessons. Okay. Because I had, I had, I had plenty of sweet guitars. Uh, <laughs> I missed that one. I miss all, all. No, I have none of these guitars. None <laughs> of these guitars still have, but um, I traded that sweet guitar for some lessons from um, Mike Hill mm. in uh, San Anderson Music, okay, in Hinesville, Georgia. So for free lessons, just lessons whenever I want them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of <laughs> got me started, you know, getting a more directional, right, focus toward playing. You know, I missed. I I wish I still had that guitar. But yeah. uh, but that's 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 what that went next. My dad, my dad always wanted to play guitar. He's he's a, he's a fan of guitar. He mm. he plays a little bit, not much, but he's a big fan of guitar. Mm. And he'll kind of look and see what 
what my tastes are at at the time. So I've had, you know, several iterations of my taste before settling into what I think is probably going to be my permanent taste. Sure. But, uh, you know, when I was in the strats, he would buy a ton of strats because mm. he's just loaded. And then, like, <laughs> when I was in the West Pauls, he bought a couple of Pauls. They're more expensive than strats, so we didn't get as many of those. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, I've been playing shred-style, hot-rotted guitars. They're strat-shaped, you know, humbuckers and a Floyd Rose 24 frets. I've been playing those for a few years, mm. and he's just only been buying more and more of them. <laughs> uh, I'm actually working on one that he bought now, trying to get intonated. Um, so then, I mean, I'm assuming there's, like, some more steps between that and going to yeah, ACM. So- so, you know, I just, you know, took those lessons for about seven months and uh, I transferred units um, from a combat unit to uh, moving into computers. I re-enlisted to move into a computer job. Okay. Because I wanted to have uh, some sort of skill after the army because I decided, you know, uh, I want to go to music school. Yeah. Like, I was just like, yeah, I want to go to music school. <laughs> you know, it was originally going to be AIM, uh, Atlanta Institute of Music or... Uh, or um, I don't know if you hear my kid. Matter. It's fine. <laughs> um, Part of the reason as to why it. this is through the internet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was originally going to be AIM, Atlanta Institute of Music, which uh, for those of you who are into modern progressive guitar may know um, that Bossy of Animals as Leaders went to that school, hmm. which actually ties in um, – over the story. So it's going to be AIM or it's going to be DIT in California. So I had this this idea, this goal. Like, if I want to be a great musician, I have to go to music school. Right. So, you know, I found a teacher to teach me the stuff that I saw was the requirements <laughs> in Atlanta Institute of Music. So yeah. that's kind of where, where that, my focus got started. And I learned scales, I learned how to build chords, a little bit of music reading, a little bit of rhythmic theory. You know, so I had a leg up on, on all the other, like, army guitarists, you know, like bedroom <laughs> shredders and stuff. All right. It's because I started to learn a little bit of theory, and I got I got a little better, you know. Mm-hmm. And Dunning, Dunning-Kruger kicked in, and I uh, <laughs> thought I was a lot better than I was. Sure. Uh, so I ended up transferring to uh, Augusta, Georgia mm-hmm. units. I went from Hinesville, Georgia, to Augusta, uh, Fort Stewart to Fort Gordon. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a guitar teacher here, but I made a really good friend who was into guitar who kind of pushed me to develop and stuff like that. And he was in a band called uh, Radar Cinema, who were really influenced by uh, the Mars Volta. Okay. And he, he was in uh, Tennessee now. He's in Nashville now. I actually need to hit, hit him up. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so he was kind of another major influence on me. So we got Mike Hill. We've got uh, this guy's name was William uh, Duckworth. They all call him Ducky. Hmm. Will or Ducky. Uh he was he was all about he he hates metal, he hates shred. Oh, okay. So he was he was real into like weird chord voicings and like progressive rock all okay. like King Crimson and stuff. So you got like a different style. Yeah. Yeah, I learned a little bit more about like you know, chord playing and and stuff like that. Um but he wasn't really a teacher. It was more of like, like passive, passive connections, <laughs> you know. And 
I just kind of picked up more and more like theory from him mm-hmm. because he was really big on like building funky chords. So I, I picked right, up a little right. bit more on that. <laughs> so around this time, a couple years go by, I actually ended up playing a couple shows. I got really into acoustic playing mm-hmm. um, and I stopped like middle of, uh, of what my original goal was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of got in like over and uh, a bunch of stuff like this. Yeah, and there's there's probably some crappy videos of me on the internet floating <laughs> around trying to to horribly butcher my way through some songs just to get girls to like me. So, as as every prob- musician does. Yeah, it's probably a solid year of like a lack of really really good progress. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I was still playing music. I was still in the guitar sure um so around this time um i go and i check out atlanta institute of music and uh you know this is around the time eight string guitars are kind of becoming popular <laughs> so i picked up one i got a i got an ibanez rg 2228 which if you're in the know you know it's one of the best production eight strings ever made okay. had absolutely no idea what to do with it <laughs> so I find out about this guy named Josh Martin uh, of the band Little Tidy. Hmm. Tidy Island is uh, is an island off Georgia, South Carolina. Um, Little Tidy is, as rumor has it, a uh, unexploded nuclear bomb. It's okay. a sandbar called Little Tidy, and you know, urban legend is that it's an unexploded nuclear bomb. So that's where the band name comes from. Okay. Josh Martin is is. One of the people you look up on the internet back in 2008, 8-string mm-hmm. guitar, he's one of the people thumping away and tapping and doing all this crazy 8-string stuff. Okay. Turns out he lives in Atlanta. So I hit him up for a few lessons. Josh Martin has gotten a little bit more celebrity in the music world recently. Okay. Um, but I don't think he remembers me or anything. <laughs> but he was, he was friends with Tosin and Abbasi. Um, and they both went to Atlanta Institute of Music. So I had pretty much decided I was going to go to Atlanta Institute of Music mm-hmm. after taking a couple of lessons with him and uh, went through the school and all this stuff, you know. I was getting ready to discharge uh, from my knees being bad because I blew up both my knees and I racked. Oh, jeez. It's okay. <laughs> um, so I blew up both my knees and getting ready to discharge. And I am... To Atlanta Music, and my mom lets me know about ACM. Mm-hmm. So I look into ACM. Not a lot of info on the curriculum. It's a brand new school. Right. Um, not a lot of info on what they teach, you know, who goes there, stuff mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> um, so I'm just assuming it's, you know, it's like GIT. It's probably like AIM. You know, it's like any other mm-hmm. music school. You know, I knew about the ACM in London. Right. I knew Guthrie Govan taught there. <laughs> and we all know he shreds, you know. <laughs> so, like, I just assumed it would be like that. So I was like, well, hey, you know, I'm from Oklahoma. You know, I was born in Enid. Mm. I won't have to pay out of state here. I'll get a pocket of water money for my GI bill. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't I just go to this school? Right. So, you know, I... Do the do the audition. I get the tape done. 
I send it in. I'm real nervous. You can actually see my audition tape. It's on my Facebook. It's oh. pretty terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not completely horrid, but it's not great. <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm sure everyone's audition material to get into music school is like, you know, you haven't gone to music school yet. So, <laughs> oh, I mean, I've seen I've seen some people play dream theater and all kinds of crazy shit. So, you know, definitely not definitely not a tier guitar player. Definitely not an a tier guitar player. No. <laughs> so, like, you know, it's as you would expect. It was like a thin Lizzy kind of thing. <laughs> you know, it was like mixed with the sword, um, which were bands I was digging at the time. OK. Uh, so I get in, you know, I'm real nervous, you know, because I didn't know at this time that ACM didn't even look at the audition tapes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I'm real nervous. But I got in, you know, and so I moved here and uh, went to ACM, went to the bachelor program. And uh, after that, really, uh, you know, I was a little disenchanted because I, you know, I was thinking I was going to be a great shredder by the end of it, you know, and like go through the school and, you know, like 90% of the time I didn't even have a guitar in my hand during class. Hmm. So like, I wasn't really happy with that. And um, after I graduated, I got hooked up with uh, with Paul Ozanov. I don't know how you say his last name. It's, it's <laughs> Belgian or – no, it's not Belgian. God, he's going to hate me for this. I it's, didn't uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he's – Bulgarian. That's what it is, Bulgarian. Uh, we just call him Paul Oz, but he's the great Paul Oz, fantastic, unbelievable guitar player, extremely talented, extremely skilled. Um, I get hooked up with him. He sees um, this death metal thing that I posted on on a guitar forum. Mm-hmm. He tells me it's really heavy, blah, blah, blah. You know, oh, man, this is really cool. And I befriend him on Facebook, and, you know, I find out he does mentorship, and he does guitar lessons, and he's, he's from Canada. So I linked up with him, and... Um, I went through his mentorship program and, you know, he's after graduating, he's one of my best friends. Cool. You know, I talk to him all the time about just like everything, Yeah. you know, and, uh, and my playing exploded. I'm way better than I was before. I actually can, you know, kind of be proud of the bachelor's degree on my wall now. I feel like I <laughs> deserve it. You know, so really I owe a lot of that to Paul. Um, and that's, that's really kind of where, my guitar journey got got to now. You know, yeah, now yeah. I'm more focusing on like I understand everything <laughs> on how to improve in terms of like how to improve myself. Like I don't need somebody to like show me how to do something. Sure. You know sure. what I mean? Like I can just teach myself now. Yeah. And I understand exactly how practice is supposed to work and you know like basically how the instrument works mm-hmm. enough to the point where like what's a good what's a guitar lesson gonna do for me? Right. Yeah, you know, like, you know, you show me a cool lick, you know, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, you know how to learn and teach yourself at this point, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And like really do it. Not, mm. not like the Ernie Ball guitar book for, for guitar beginners teach yourself method. Go away. <laughs> um, so what's something that, um, I mean, I feel like there's this perception of, like, the the rock star ideal of, like, oh, yeah, like, the 
guitarist just like goes up on stage shreds and then like you know leaves goes to a party drinks and you know whatever but like there's a whole lot of practicing that at least should be going on uh <laughs> yeah i mean depending on depending on the guitarist you know um nobody shreds without practicing yeah you know i mean you know ingray malmstein has to say you haven't practiced but the man eats shits and breeds guitar <laughs> you know like he may not he may just be having fun but you know it's still practice mm-hmm. you know what i mean and practice practice is fun you know for me now i just like to play guitar you mm-hmm. know like i don't get really frustrated with things anymore even if they're you know damn near impossible you know it's just like well i'll have that down in six months you know <laughs> i can just say i can just think of it like that at this point you know it's all yeah. it's all fun you know? yeah yeah so so like you know imagine someone like ebay momstein who reached the level that he is you know he he probably just enjoys playing guitar for the euphoric feeling of it, you know, being a master or something, you know. So, I mean, I don't know if, like, I don't drink. I don't, I don't really do drugs, mm-hmm. you know. Like, I, don't, I smoke weed maybe once every nine months. You know, I feel <laughs> like it. You know, I don't, don't drink beer. I don't drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. I don't do any of that. You know, I skipped a lot of parties. They seem to practice, you yeah. know. Um, and you're the better musician for it. <laughs> I mean, maybe we'll see. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Um, so kind of a, a, a question that has come up, I think more than once on the podcast, um, is, uh, is rock dead? You know, that's actually really interesting. I was talking to my friend Preston Gondolf from um, the band Among the Missing about this just earlier today. <laughs> uh, there's no creativity in rock at all anymore. I mean, it's used up. Hmm. You know, in, in an essence of like, if you have a rock band that comes out now, you know, a radio rock band, mm-hmm. it's, all, it's all trying to rip off Metallica's The Black Album and Nirvana mixed together. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Three Days Grace, Shine Down, Alter Bridge. Right. These are all kind of interchangeable bands, you know, personality list. Mm-hmm. Personality list, you know, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, like, but you have someone who uh, shall not be named going up pretending to be Axl Rose, <laughs> you know, um, playing bad collective soul riffs, you know, like. Mm. And like, what, what more can you do with rock, you know, without, without becoming something else? Right. You know, like, it's just, it's just like, you know, um, he, my friend used the term, hell yeah, brother, you know, you're like, you're something that's really, it's really rocking, you know, you have to just go, hell yeah, brother, you know, it's, it's just, you don't really hear that in rock anymore without being watered down metal. You right. Know? And like, as guys who are into rock get better at their instruments, they just become metal bands, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So like <laughs> as, as a genre rock is kind of, kind of dead in mm-hmm. a way, you know, I mean, who's really relevant as a rock band now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like Arctic monkeys, but they were, a, they were a punk band and now they're a soul band, mm. you know, like <laughs> there's no, there's no just like rock. There's a like Greta Foo Van Fleet. Foo Fighters is kind of. Foo Fighters. 
Foo Fighters, you know, I mean, like, that's that's kind of a rock band, you know, but like, listen to, they had that song Rope, which is, you know, watered down metal song, hmm. you know, like, not really. When's the last time the Foo Fighters were actually relevant? And not in like, not in like the way, like, oh, they're the elder statesmen of alternative rock, you know, but like, you know. <laughs> well, I mean. Who I, that that time that Dave Grohl broke his leg and still did the rest of the tour. That, that's pretty rock and roll, but it's like, I don't know if they're like saving rock and roll yet. <laughs> I mean, I mean Dave Grohl is great. He's awesome, and Foo Fighters have some wonderful tubes. But I mean, like Kanye West can fart, and it's a more relevant track. Sure. Well, <laughs> you know? he basically did recently, so. Yeah, you did. And people were talking about it a lot. So you know, yeah, it's like, what kind of what kind of rock band can release a VH2? You know, like Van Halen two. <laughs> you know what what kind of album will come out that'll blow everybody's mind like VH2 did? Right, that'll right. Work, and that'll be legitimately rocking. Mm-hmm. You know. So, with, with that, uh, where? does it go from here then does it just continue to seclude itself into more metal more hardcore more where where is it going i mean i don't really listen to too much rock you know i'm mm. i'm i'm more of a a, a metal fan for sure right, right. i think i think volbeat was probably the most original rock band that has come out in a while i think I'm pretty sure uh they had members of anthrax you know you know, it's an obvious metal influence there, but you know, I don't know where the Psycho Elvis vocals came from. <laughs> but like, um, you know, I mean, rock rock is a radio format, and radio is fucking dead. Yeah, yeah. You know, like now, now everybody can can choose what music they listen to. So you know, like, you don't have to to, to put up with you know Alice in Chains, great band. You know, they had the sludge elements, the shoegaze elements in, in like Jar of Flies and, you know, stuff like that. No, not mm. Jar of Flies. Sludge Factory had some of the shoegaze elements and like the, the, the sludge metal elements and stuff like that. Now you don't have to listen to that on the radio. You can just listen to whatever the hell you want on your Spotify playlist. Yeah, yeah. Apple Music, you know. <laughs> so, so the, like a reaching genre like rock, you know doesn't have the appeal that it used to because you can listen to the specialized genres that you prefer. Exactly. You know? So it's like, it, it, it doesn't matter. You yeah, know, yeah. like mass, mass appeal is no longer something that matters. Niche appeal is what matters. Yeah. You know, um, look at, uh, we go like slamming death metal. It's chromatic, ugly, misogynistic, <laughs> gore lyrics. Oh, I mean, and it is, you know, I mean, I, mm had to grapple with that for a while, but the genre is, is a misogynistic genre. In essence, most of the songs about cutting girls up, like that's, mm. there's no getting around that, you know, no, no amount of navel gazing is going to get around the fact that you have a song called slice her tits off, you know? Uh, but something like that as dumb and niche and inaccessible as that is exploding because of the internet, because people find a niche that they enjoy and then, Swallow it up. Uh, Dungeon Synth. I don't know if you ever heard of Dungeon Synth. Mm-mm. It's uh, it's black metal aesthetics. Uh, you know, so like black and white album art. 
bleak, depressive <laughs> aesthetics like this, but it's like uh, it's 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 Casio synthesizers making like what I would say like music for a Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> session. It sounds right. funny. It's it's pretty cool. I like Dungeon Synth a lot actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's 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 just this totally bizarre niche genre. Yeah, yeah. That that is that is flourishing in Bandcamp. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like these things can exist because of the internet. So like uh, you, you talk about like Led Zeppelin or something like that. You know, Led Zeppelin is a rock band, right? Sure. But but really, they're a psychedelic rock band. Hmm. You know, there's a lot of psychedelic influence in them. Spacey sounds. Mm -hmm. uh, Since I've been loving you is you know terrifying and soundscapey and you know <laughs> claustrophobic. You know, like it's not it's not a rock song. It, it would be a niche song. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not like Three Days Grace is going to put out a fucking since I've been loving you cover, sure. you know, with, with their guitarist coked out of his mind, you know, playing the same blues lick over and over, but still ruling because you don't understand why. It's just amazing. That's <laughs> what, like, Led Zeppelin's like, you know? So, like, something like that is totally dead. Mm. Not going to recreate that. Rock, yeah, yeah. rock has been taken over by the main and it's commercialized crap. Mm -hmm. niche, appeal, niche appeal is where the creativity is coming from. And people are okay with, with bands that don't reinvent the wheel. Um, Dissection, right. the, the black and death metal band um, from Sweden, I think, um, has been broken up for, for years. There's a band called Falkundra that's entire purpose is to, to write new dissection songs. <laughs> like there's total dissection worship. They sound exactly the same. And everybody's <laughs> totally fine with that because it's good dissection ripoff songs, you know? Um. So these are these are the kinds of things that like, that like music is headed to now yeah, niche yeah. genres just listening to what you want instead mm. of making compromises on what you want you know yeah, yeah. it's um, it's that that it's, brings me to my next question i mean you bring up spotify and bandcamp and stuff so how do musicians make a living now if they shit even can? shit you tell me man <laughs> I've never been paid for a gig. Not once. I played the diamond. Hmm. It's not a big deal, you know. It's not like a giant gig or anything. But I mean, it's a gig you think you get paid for. Sure. I think maybe we did get paid, and like, I'm pretty sure my band kept the money, and like that band. I don't know. I don't, right, I don't really care. It's always a, yeah. a negligible amount, anyways, for a split between four or five people. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm full metal band, five people, two guitars, bass, drums, mm. singer, you know. <laughs> so, like, uh, I feel like it would have to be a multimedia approach, you know, lessons, um, nickel and diamond gigs yeah, here and there, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, my uncle plays in a Tejano band down in South, South Texas. Um, I know he brings on like 10K a year from it. Wow. Yeah. So like Enough he's to doing pay okay. Taxes. <laughs> yeah. I mean he's playing Tejano, you know, this is basically just jazzed up polka. Mm -hmm. But like you know, like he he does another band for the cruisers, he makes like another ten thousand a year from. Mm -hmm. So I mean like cover bands probably a good way to make money, but you, you know. also have to be a cover band. I'm not gonna hate on the cover band. I think you can you can be an artful cover band. Um, 
and like little little kiss the the dwarf kiss band i think is pretty cool <laughs> uh, the iron maidens les zeppelin you know like you can even be a cool cover band mm. you know like i'm not gonna just hate on a cover band but yeah you'd have to be in a cover band right <laughs> and i'm not necessarily hating on cover bands it's just that like i wouldn't want to just be a cover band yeah like my uncle doesn't make his own music mm. you know I don't think even as he didn't even really have any desire to in my like I don't think he does. I think he's totally fine with what he's doing. Right. He's like playing music. But like, you know <laughs> I don't even know if like I wouldn't even go so far as to say that I have to play my own songs because I feel like my dream gig would just to be the lead guitarist of some band. Sure. Where I don't have to write any music. I just write solos. Like I would be <laughs> totally fine with that. Sure. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so like I can't knock him. I mean, if you just want to play notes, dude, do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, sort of a, a vaguer, more philosophical style question because I always do this to people. Uh, why, why do you want to do music? I don't know. What cool, I guess. <laughs> Like, you know, it's hard to explain, you know, <laughs> I guess like, I'm, I'm not going to fucking die before I can play stab wound by Necropolis, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I've literally like had, you know, I got like major depressive disorder, mm. you know, I'm 70% disabled because of it, you know? So like I've had some rough fucking nights Yeah, you know? yeah. we're literally the only thing keeping me going is like, I'll be damned if I die before I nail this fucking song. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. There's like a stubborn, I can do this thing, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I don't want, I don't want to die with, you know, my, my, my friends flexing on me being better than I am. <laughs> you know, like it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a, it has a competitive edge, sure, you know, sure. but I mean, at the same time, like I like expressing myself. I like music mm-hmm. in general, you yeah. know, and, I think if you want to get like real, real deep into it, you know, we're all vibrating matter, mm. you know, the sound is vibrating air, you know, it has a real scientific effect on you mm-hmm. when you hear music, when you feel music, you know, I guess some of us just want to want to make some of that, you know? Yeah. How do you really, how do you really explain it? Why does a painter paint? Sure. It's a combination of they're good at it and they want to. Yeah. That's about it really. Right. I'm not looking for an actual explanation, but just to talk about it. So yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah. Um, badly transitioning, or I guess a a dog howl into this next half of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, what is the role of spirituality or religion in your life? Well, you know, I mean, I kind of go back and forth on on the god thing uh especially considering like the christian mythos you know uh some days i'm pretty sure you know there's probably a god hmm. might even be a christian god some hmm. days not so convinced oh uh i know you can't oppress people based on if you feel like there's somebody there i'm not a big fan of that but i mean my right. own translation or like my own interpretation of like like that you know, I mean, it says right there in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not use my name in vain. And I feel like a lot of people, like, 
think you're not supposed to say like goddamn or something like that, but I've always interpreted that personally as, you know, don't say you're doing something in the name of God. Right. If it's like a horrible thing to do. If it's anything sure. to do, like you're not that's not your place to do something like that. Mm-hmm. So like you know about people and uh you know so I guess in like the role of like laying awake at night and like tossing and turning and having that existential crisis, I guess it's pretty important. But in like the day to day life, you know, especially growing up Catholic, you know, it's not really mm. not really something that's a huge major part of me. Mm. You know. Besides that like wonderful Catholic guilt I got. <laughs> yeah, no, which, I, I sympathize with that. I too was raised Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> which I th- I think I think it's great. I'd rather, you know, feel guilty than, you know, be like a Baptist and be a judgy asshole. <laughs> Shots are being fired. Uh, <laughs> it's a very generalized shot. These aren't right, really right. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's it still had some sort of impact in your life, obviously. And even if, you know, there are times when you don't feel like there may be a God or there may be, um, how does that sort of shape your morality and your behavior how you treat other people you know i mean i feel like uh the overarching theme in most religions you know to to be fucking good to each other in in a general sense Mm -hmm. you know i mean you look at like the sermon on the mount um a little bit of buddhist teachings of of what i've perused Mm -hmm. you know stuff like that you know generally we're all supposed to be cool with each other you know (laughs) <laughs> so I feel like that's probably a good idea to try to do that right. considering, you know, like everything tells us to, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, all of our, uh, how do you be good? What is good? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's kind of tough. You know I mean? Like what, what really is, you know, mm. you know, you can't, you can't let people hurt you, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, but at what extent do you hurt them? Do you hurt them back? You shouldn't. I don't think you should. Right. You know, I think, I think forgiveness, I mean, that's a, that's a big part of, of Christianity, you know, is mm-hmm. turn the other cheek, forgive, things like that. I try to live, live like that. I mean, Jesus is pretty rad. He's a pretty rad guy, <laughs> you know, I mean, he wasn't telling you to to kill gay people right all right so yeah i mean he seems pretty cool i mean do what he says (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) um and then um if you don't mind me bringing it up uh how does that sort of relate to your experience through the military um and how has that sort of shaped uh I guess who you are now and morally and stuff. Cause there's obviously a lot of moral implications relating to the military. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you're a kid, you know, 19 to 20, 21, mm-hmm. you kind of do what you're told, you know, you kind of have to come to grips with things that you were doing there, the part that you played and what was more than likely, you know, an illegal war that didn't help anybody, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, we, we set up a hospital for kids and, you know, we got a school set up and we passed out water filters and stuff like that. 
which so, is I mean, good. There was, yeah, so I mean, there was a guise of a humanitarian effort. <laughs> I try to hold on, hold on to that kind of stuff, you know, and then like nothing, nothing you can do about, you know, whatever now, you know. Mm. So like, <laughs> you know, just move forward and try to make amends, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, um, how does that worldview, I guess, oh, wait, I have, I have a couple straightforward questions that I always ask and I need to remember to ask them. Uh, one God question mark. What about it? Well, uh, I guess so. Does God exist to you, obviously? And uh, I guess, what is your definition of God? I mean, we talked about we're all vibrating matter. I mean, a <laughs> uh, couple, taking a couple philosophy classes, a few ethics classes, you know, I mean, one of my math classes, you know, one of my professors was like, you know, it, it's really starting to look like, you know, there's an organizational theme to everything, you know, mm-hmm. which, again, I mean, it's a human, human, human nature to assign order to things, mm-hmm. you know, even if that order actually isn't present. So you can't really fully trust something like that, you know, Yeah. in my opinion anyways. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the same time, uh, I think it was, there's an old philosophical question that no one has been able to counter. It's like, there's no point to life if no God exists. Mm. You know, it's just, it's just what points you make. Yeah. You know, but if there is a God, there is an actual purpose. But if not, there's no real purpose. There's purposes we assign. Sure. You know, so like, at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure he's not going to care if you're cranking it in the bathroom, dude. So I think he's safe. <laughs> right. The the universe is pretty, pretty big for, yeah. for that to matter a whole lot. Uh, <laughs> um, and then uh, free will, question mark. Again, uh, do we have free will? But also, what is your definition of free will? I mean, I think we probably do. You know, I mean... You get into like multiverse theories, stuff like that, you know, like you can get pretty dumb. These are the things that like can keep you up at night, you know, but at the end of the day, you still have to get up and go to work tomorrow. Sure. So. <laughs> um, and then another one that I actually keep meaning to ask, but uh, I forget to is, um, is always in in your opinion uh is the is the predisposition of humans to be evil and violent or are we actually good and sort of taught to be bad uh i think that's like a multifaceted thing you know like i think you have a genetic predisposition that can be nurtured out you know um, and vice versa. I think. I think every human being is different. You know. I mean. Some more. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, there are some. There's you know you talking about the blank slate. Yeah. There there's serial killers raised by loving families. Right. And there's serial killers who are basically raised in, you know, a, a perfect environment to create a monster. You mm-hmm. know. So like. You don't, you don't really know. Right. Never really know. I mean, genetic capacity. It's like it's like fitness. Mm. People have a genetic capacity for a certain level of fitness. Sure. You know, most people do not reach the peak 
of their genetic capacity, mm-hmm. you know? So likely, you know, there is some sort of pre-programming, I think, mm-hmm. within everybody. But the major role that it plays is probably not, not very high, you know? Yeah. Like, who really knows? I mean, you've got people who go to school for their entire lives who don't fucking know the answers to these questions. Sure. You know? <laughs> like, do I think humanity on a whole is bad? Probably not. You know, I mean, most people are just living their day-to-day lives. You know, the big catastrophes and horrible events were committed by by few, very few people. Sure. You know, and most of those people, like Holocaust and like that, people following orders, they're scared because it's living nature. You know, and it's natural to follow the leader. You know, mm. do they do they get a free pass? Hell no. You know, that was terrible. But like, right. you know, the orchestrators of this event, you know. Very few people who did these things, you mm-hmm. know. So, like, humanity on the whole, evil, probably not. Misguided, more likely. Okay. I yeah. like that. Um, and then, I don't know if I want to get into the politics of things. Uh, <laughs> um, well, yeah, uh, lately we've been seeing uh, a, a battle going on between sort of uh i mean you can call it conservative and liberal but it's 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 also a bit a bit of like we should care about each other or no we don't really have to care about each other yeah Uh, so uh i guess one direction that i'm asking this question is sort of how how do you think we got here with you know, uh, the the epitome of selfishness being the the most powerful person on the planet. How do we get here? <laughs> uh, I think it's a combination of things. It's, they always are. Um, you know, uh, had eight years of moderately liberal, which you know, he was into the other side. You know, the most liberal fucking thing that's ever happened. Sure. A moderate, moderate liberal who you know bombed the Middle East in the Stone Age and drone strike <laughs> people in oblivion, but what yeah. a Nobel Peace Prize! So mm-hmm. I mean, riddle me that. But yeah. you know, there's, there's backlash always going to be strong. Mm-hmm. You know, um, come come in with populism. You know, blame blame an easy target. You know, immigration. You know, Muslims stuff like that. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, but I think I think that. You know, the counter really dropped the ball in the way that they handled all this. I mean, um, you can't really expect to to scream and and call people racist and stuff like that, and then expect them to come to your point of view. Right. You know, you you create all you do is you create people entrenching themselves furthermore into their view, mm-hmm. and then you know the people they're close to see the way you treat them. They don't even know anything about politics. They're just gonna go with their friends. Exactly. You know? That's that's obviously an extremely simplified case. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna blame the other side for for the victory, but you know, like let's let's be real. You know, yeah. that's not not a mature way to handle these things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, like you, uh, know, you don't scream at people and then wonder why they didn't come to your birthday party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, how how do you think that conversation can be improved? 
Oh man, dude, I, I don't know. Uh, that's <laughs> tough. It's all right to say you don't know. That's tough because I mean, for the first time in my life, I was called a spick by um, by someone on a Pokemon form of all places for being <laughs> wow. half half Hispanic, you know. And you go look at his look at his page, and he's you know all about Trump, you know. Of course, my dad, being Mexican, big fan of Trump too. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, I think I think people choose to not hear the things that are that are bad you know like go up to a giant obama fan and let him know that he drone strike the middle east in the fucking stone age right you know? let him know that he dropped more bombs than any other any other president right you know like he ran wars that weren't actual wars mm-hmm. you know I mean, we were at war with these countries but not technically because we didn't have troops sure. but we, we were still killing their people mm-hmm. left and right you know like you know, no one wants to hear about Obama doing that. It's like Justin Justin Trudeau. You know, people want to act like Justin Trudeau is like a great icon for um, LGBT rights and stuff like that because he wore rainbow colored socks. Mm. But he sells weapons to you know one of the most anti-LGBT regimes in the Middle East. Mm. You know, he supports supports them with weaponry. Mm-hmm. You know, to people who like throw gay people off of towers. Yeah being gay you know but you know ooh, let's move to canada because their money smells like maple and you know <laughs> it's so much not here you know uh when their immigration is even stricter than the u.s right yeah you know? yeah so like uh, you know people don't want to hear what they don't want to hear so yeah, it's, yeah it's 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 a tough situation mm. and if i had the answer i would probably not be sitting in my room <laughs> i would be solving problems <laughs> right uh <laughs> on uh a little bit of a of a lighter note because i although i i always wade into these these areas um i try and i've been lately trying to lift it back up near the end uh which is uh what makes you happy oh my kids man you know my girlfriend having a good day makes me happy uh i go to movies alone <laughs> you know, I know it's selfish, but that that's something I really enjoy. A big old plate of, of perfectly cooked ribs. I mean, I'm a simple guy, man. <laughs> Nailing a solo, having somebody scream how hot I am. Yeah, you, know, <laughs> you know, I'm easy to please, dude. <laughs> I like it. Those are all great things. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then, lastly, uh, what advice do you have for people? In the realm of guitar, man, um, learn how to practice. And the best way to practice is to learn the songs you want to play. And if you're not good enough, learn easier songs. And just don't don't give in to the temptation of thinking you're good. Don't ever do that. It's okay <laughs> to know your value, but don't ever think you're good. Right. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> or else uh, Dunning Kruger comes in and Dunning Kruger creeps in. Dunning Kruger can fuck you up for months, years. Amy <laughs> mm. bad. Ask our friend Brett Landry how bad it can be. He wouldn't he wouldn't know. <laughs> Cuz he's stuck in the middle of it. That that name is there and I will let it be there. Uh <laughs> But um yeah, uh Ted, thank you for doing this. Um Hey, no, anytime. Uh, where can we find you and your things or if those aren't there uh 
what can what do we have to look forward to to come from your your magical fingers oh uh, no don't say that uh, <laughs> but the aberrant construct eps on spotify and uh, apple music i wrote a lot of the music for that album i didn't record any of uh, any of the rhythm tracks uh but you can hear one of my solos on i think the second of the last the last song mm. um there's another one of my solos actually towards the beginning of the record but there's something weird that happened with a tempo adjustment that i'm not sure why happened so i'm not very happy with how that one sounds <laughs> but the record the record is out there and uh i'm not going to comment on anything further but if you <laughs> wish to listen to it it's aberrant a-b-e-r-r-a-n-t construct yeah. and um you know it, it's called scaphism which is the uh the old persian method of torture and execution of being tied into a boat and allowed to be eaten by bugs and sepsis and all kinds of gross things. So it's pretty, pretty hardcore. As far as uh, new bands, um, been jamming with, with some guys uh, for something that may be a little more technical called cryomesis. It's a made up word that we pretend means to vomit your guts out in space. <laughs> your frozen guts out in space. Right. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, maybe some, some possible solo stuff. Uh, Paul Oz and I are, are planning on doing a cover of Stab Wound, if I can ever get it under my fingers completely. <laughs> uh, and hopefully hopefully something more, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to hit me up for lessons, you can find me on Thick Boy Guitar. That's <laughs> with two Cs. Yeah. And, uh, oh, also, if you are interested in any fitness supplements. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, uh, I'm a total athlete at total nutrition and you can find find me at ted tamayo on facebook and hit me up and i can get you ten dollars off yeah uh i mean i don't know how comfortable you are saying it but i'm comfortable saying it ted has been getting swole and he's looking hot as hell well Uh, thank you (laughs) and uh talk talk a little bit about that well what made you just like start just going at it? <laughs> so really what happened um, is I saw a picture of me from Thanksgiving in 2015. And I was like, what the fuck is that thing <laughs> sitting there on that table? My face was so round. And I, I just had large man breasts and a giant gut. And my XL shirt was screaming for mercy. And I was just like, is that really what I look like? And I really looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, Jesus, that is really what I look like. Hmm. And I I got on a scale, which of course I'd been scared of for years, you know, (laughs) and um, (laughs) it's at 265. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm 35 pounds away from 300 pounds. I have got to do something. Right. So I just, the first thing I did is I, I got, I got on paleo. I, I saw Chris Pratt, you know, he had been almost 300 pounds. He's a lot taller than I am too. Mm. So he, he didn't look nearly as bad, but, um, I saw he did paleo. So I did paleo for about a month, a month and a half strict paleo. I didn't make any artificial sugars. I had nothing that wasn't paleo. Right. I think I lost a solid like 20 pounds in the first month. Ooh. Yeah, it was it was nuts. And I was eating. Dude, I was eating so much. Burgers <laughs> cooked in the butter, 
uh, lots of veggies. I would mm. eat. I would eat a ton of food, and I would just be hungry all the time for the <laughs> first first month. And I would just eat. I would just eat whatever. Mm. Um, after that, I kind of moved more towards a generalized low carb diet. Uh, sure. It's not like super low carb. I don't go into like ketosis or anything. Although I'm sure I have. Uh, I have done it occasionally, uh, but not ever by design. Just just by accident. You know, just by you know, how I eat, mm. not planning to go into ketosis. So for someone like me, my, my, my height, my weight, I would have to get less than 20 grams of carbs and I wouldn't even be able to have my protein shake, mm. you know, cause I take four scoops a day. That's something like 30, 30 carbs or something like that. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I was doing generalized lowish, moderate carb diet. Um, and, uh, I decided, Hey, this is going pretty well. How about I get a gym membership and I and I do some cardio. Mm. Started doing cardio and I would just get on the treadmill. What was the treadmill? Uh, it was a no, what's called an arc trainer, which is kind of like an elliptical, but moves your feet in an arc instead of an ellipsis. Okay. Um, it burns actually burns more calories than an elliptical or a treadmill. Um, so I'd do that and I would hop on it. And I've actually always, even in the army, um, I have a great story. Um, I got moved to head in a little weight when I was a headquarters platoon. And I got moved back into a line line unit before uh, we deployed. So back with like real soldiers and not desk jockeys. <laughs> and I was a little chubby. You know, I wasn't nearly as bad as I, you know, got out of the army. Mm. Um, but, you know, we did what's called A, B, C group runs. You know, A group is people who do something like uh, 12 to 13 it's like a 14 B group is like 14 to 15 and then C group of people who are barely passing. You have to run the minimum for, um, 18 to like, I think the bracket is 18 to 23, maybe 24. It's something like you have like 16 minute, two mile, mm. eight minute, eight minute mile, basically. Um, so I, at the last PT test got like a 13, 40, something like that, you know, pretty, pretty good. Uh, I think it was a hundred, it was more than a hundred percent on the run, run score. Uh, running was always my best thing in the mm. army. Uh, so, you know, we go do this AB group run and platoon sergeant's like, Hey, get in your groups. So I go and I get an A group, you know, cause I run like A group. Mm. And he yells at me, he's like, Hey, get, get over here tomorrow. What are you doing? I know your friends over there. You need to get over here. So he brings me over to his group and then he, he puts me at the front. Cause he thinks I'm going to be the slow guy. So I'm the slow dude mm. runs to the front, sets the pace for the, the platoon, mm. for the, the running group, you know, and then you put the <laughs> slowest guy up front. So I was like, really? This guy, this guy thinks I'm slow. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we go and I take off and I'm going and I'm going, I'm going in about a minute or two. I hear an exhausted, ah! Ah! <laughs> turn around and wave, probably like, 600 meters behind me. Like, it's <laughs> way back. I see my struggling platoon turn. <laughs> he's like, Tomas, slow down. <laughs> Catches up and he puts me and he's like, why don't you get to the end of the formation? We're running, we're running. About five minutes go by. I look at him and I'm like, hey, sorry, next time can I run in a group? And he's like, yeah, tomorrow you can. So we get back and he's like, he's like, you know what, tomorrow we really like a two mile run. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, thank you, son. And, you know, that's actually, I got a nickname in the army. We all had GI Joe names. Uh, my buddy got unfortunately stuck with snow job, <laughs> but I was cross country because of my running. Okay. So we, yeah. So we all got GI Joe names. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyways, getting back to it, I would just hop on the arc trainer and I would go for 30, 40 minutes. 
Mm. I, was just, I could go. And I, I could actually go more than that if I wanted to, but that was, you know, like at this point, it's like 400 calories, something like this, you know? Mm. So I'd get off because I'd be getting hungry. <laughs> so I would do that, and I think I lost another like 15, 15 pounds. Yeah. Um, and this is about the time I played the diamond with Amber, and I hadn't quit yet. Mm. And, uh, you know, people were noticing, asked me all these things about, like, oh, I was lose weight, blah, blah, blah. And I told them, you know, the little moderate carbs, like that. Um, and I start, like, doing more research. I get, like, how can I maximize what I'm doing? What do I do? But I find out that lifting weights, you know, while it may not burn as many calories, actually burns fat better. Mm. And it, uh, it, it makes you burn fat throughout the day after you get done working out, too. Mm. So I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll start with weights. No idea what I'm doing, <laughs> so I just, I just, you know, get a three day full body workout or three day, uh, yeah, three three day a week full body workout, and so I do this, and I kind of learned Planet Fitness has got machines and like not very many heavy weights, and that's kind of where I've been going. Eventually, I'm gonna have to move up, uh, because my weight's getting more than they actually have to place, <laughs> but um. But it's a great learning environment. You know, not a lot of people are lifting weights at Planet Fitness. It's mostly cardio machines. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I spent probably three months on this three-day full-body workout. Mm. And um, I had already turned 30 at this point. Mm. And, uh, you know, I started firming up a little bit, you know, stuff like that. And I start researching, how do I maximize this? So if, if you notice, it's it's never just jumping right in and doing it all mm-hmm. it was it was a gradual right. journey and like exploration so i was like how do i maximize what i'm doing learned about splits learned about maximizing your weightlifting routines and uh i i decided i needed to start maximizing my intake my protein intake and stuff like that mm-hmm. so when i need to get about 200 grams of protein a day which is really difficult at 1800 calories a day mm-hmm. um I basically cannot screw up or I will not have the calories to get the rest of my protein. I'll have to do like extra cardio. So like, um, got, got shakes from like target, you know? Mm. And, uh, and I decided, you know what? I want to get a higher quality protein shake. So I, I finished a, that planet fitness one day and I kind of walked over to the nutrition shop. I think it's called total nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, Big big guy there named Trey. He, he's really cool. He looks like a black Conan. He's got really <laughs> cool hair. He's just really neat guy. Super nice. Super friendly. Kind of walked me through all the all the uh, supplemental needs that I needed. So and um, he had me step on this thing that uh, measures your body fat percentage and all this stuff. And I was still at like thirty percent, which is still obese. So I was mm. a little you know off put by this. But he's like he's like you know your muscle mass is really good though, so you don't look anywhere near thirty percent. You know like. Mm. You know, why don't we get you started on some of these things? He's like, how old are you? I was like, I'm 30. He's like, you're 30? I was like, yeah, I'm 30. He's like, well, you look like 27. And I was like, oh, well, thanks. <laughs> but uh, he, he recommended getting on like a, a testosterone booster, which I think I mentioned before when we were eating. Mm. Um, uh, so a testosterone booster and um, and a good quality protein shake. Mm. So I started on, on first those two things. Now, the testosterone booster really uh, – really changed my life man i'm gonna be on this thing the rest of my life like, <laughs> you know you're talking you're talking massive muscle gains mm. you know like like huge muscle mass my shoulders got broader my neck got all weird and muscular you know <laughs> and like my veins started popping out my libido went through the roof dude it was nuts i mean it's it's tapered off a little bit but it's still 
way higher than it's ever been in my entire life. Like even more than when I was like 17, it's, it's completely bonkers and ridiculous, <laughs> you know? And it's also like a mood enhancer too. Like mm-hmm. the low test actually affects a lot of men. Um, yeah, yeah. Even before you start hitting like 27, 28, and it starts affecting people like 23, dude. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's for a lot of like depression issues, especially among young men comes from is this, you know, low testosterone, mm-hmm. you know? So the testosterone booster actually kind of got me out of a lot of funks and stuff. You know, I still get depressed, still get sad, sure, sure. you know, but it's never as severe as it used to be or right. as long lasting, you know, mm-hmm. um, performance in the gym increased performance in like, you know, bed increased all kinds of just <laughs> awesome stuff, which is coming out of taking this supplement, you know? Mm. Uh, and I, I'm not trying to sound like a salesman, I'm really <laughs> not, you know, but it was, really that good right you know, it was it was that much of of an improvement in 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 my fitness so so been on that for a few months and then been on a really good regimen of lifting weights and and the muscle just started coming I'm getting more muscular firming mm-hmm. up more belly's getting slimmer you know like also like it's got some anti-aging effects People, uh, I shaved my beard because I, I don't know if you remember, I used to have a really big beard. Mm. Uh, and I used to have a beard to hide my double chin. <laughs> you know, don't have a double chin, I decided to shave. You know, I shaved at work and came in and people kept asking me, like, you know, how old I was. You yeah. know, like, I've grown a, I've grown a little bit of, of, of fur now, so I look my age, mm. I think. But, like, if I shave completely off, people think I'm, like, 19 or 22. <laughs> you know, like, um, one of my friends at work, had no idea I was 30 years old. He thought I was 25. Mm. You know, like he really honestly thought I was 25. <laughs> you know, so like it's it's a great product. It's it was a great great thing for me. Um, it's actually got me considering if I can get my body fat down even more, uh, competing in in uh, an amateur bodybuilding competition. Obviously, I can't get up there with you know people who've been doing it for years and years sure, and years. Sure. But they do have an amateur circuit, which is for people who haven't been doing it for very long. You know, mostly right. people, stories like me, who've lost 70, 80 pounds, you know, mm-hmm. and have gotten into the fitness lifestyle. Yeah. So, like, you know, I was thinking about doing stuff like that at 30, you know. Like, <laughs> and it's like, this has been this has been awesome. Like, like, getting in shape has really made my life a lot better. I can keep up with my son yeah. a lot more, you know. Um, I'm strong. I've got a huge back. You know, <laughs> like it's just, it's just great. It, yeah. it was, it was awesome. And, uh, if I can help anybody in any way, I'd love to. And again, I can't say that I'm a fitness expert or right. a nutrition expert. I can just tell you the things that worked for me. Yeah. And one of those things is that potatoes are really bad for you, <laughs> but they're delicious. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, so yeah. That, that's no, basically I'm, all that. I'm really hyper for you. I'm really proud of you. Uh, it's not that it's not like I get to be proud of you, but either way, I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, man. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, thank you uh, again for doing this with me. Uh, oh, yeah, of once, course, of course. Once again, I'm Santiago Ramones, and you say your name because I'm gesturing at you, but oh, audio. <laughs> Ted Tamayo. <laughs> um, and now I do uh, my plugs of things. Um, you can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. I have this podcast. You can listen to this podcast on my website, on YouTube, on the podcast app, and on Stitcher, 
Uh, you can leave reviews. You can comment on stuff. Um, and uh, then you can listen to my music, which is all on my website. And uh, the stuff that's on my band camp, you can pay $0 for or $100 for. I don't care. Uh, but my music is on there. Uh, I always end my podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong.